0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Christian Apologist Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, thank you very much and we would appreciate it if you're listening to us on iTunes, if you could give us a five-star rating and leave a comment. It just helps us to get notified and helps the word in our uh, podcast to get out there to more people. Today, we're going to talk about a few different things, but how many times have you ever heard someone say that Christians are just hypocrites. I hear that all the time. I hear it from other religions and mainly from atheists and agnostics just saying that, you know, Christians are complete hypocrites because the Bible says we should live this way, but yet so many of us are living this way or so many of us act this way. And so all of us are just characterized as just a bunch of hypocrites. And I don't know about any of you, But that is just so annoying. I mean, seriously, that is just the most overused statement I have ever heard. I mean, do you know what my response to that normally is? Is, absolutely we are. I mean, Jesus tells us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. I mean, do you really think that we can be perfect? Do you think we can actually ever achieve being perfect on our own? I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, better yet, are atheists just even under the impression that we think as Christians that we are perfect? Is that what they're thinking? I don't know. If you're an atheist, tell me. Hit me up on an email. I'll leave my email at the end of every single podcast. So keep listening or fast forward through it. You'll get my email address. You can tell me if that's what the thought process is because I don't understand that. I mean, if Christians truly thought... Truly, truly thought that we were perfect or that we could achieve that perfection on our own, then we wouldn't need Christ and therefore we wouldn't be Christians. I mean, the statement of saying that Christians are hypocrite is as dumb as me as dumb as me saying that you know how like most atheists are pro-choice, right? So it would be as me saying, Well, I can't be an atheist because they're hypocrites. They claim pro choice, yet they take away the choices of the babies. You see what I'm saying? It just kind of defeats itself. But here's a news flash for all the atheists and all the ones that call Christians hypocrites. Nobody is perfect except Jesus Christ. We know that, and that's why we need Christ. It's that simple. Being a Christian doesn't mean we're not going to sin. It doesn't mean we aren't going to mess up. Being a Christian is just recognizing who Jesus is, what he did for us, following Jesus, having a personal relationship with Jesus, and repenting of our sins. We are just trying our best not to sin against the God of creation. Yes, we are going to mess up because we are human and we are not perfect. Yes, we do. But that doesn't make us hypocrites. If that's the case, every single person in this world is a hypocrite because every single one of us has told someone at some time or another not to do something, yet it's something that we have done or we did or we're going to do later. So everybody is a form of a hypocrite. It's all hypocrisy. But we are just trying to be better than what we were the day before, and we are trying to be more like Christ each and every day. I mean, if you claim to be an atheist and your best defense is because Christians are hypocrites, newsflash again, you are lying to yourself and you are full of it. You're full of it because we're all hypocrites. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or an atheist or religious at all. If you know anything about Christianity, anything, anything, The Bible clearly states that our salvation isn't dependent on our works, but on what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. Another thing atheists like to bring up to me uh, today is how, how come God sends people to hell to be tortured for their infinite sins if he's so loving over a finite crime or a finite sin? Why would there be an infinite punishment? And, And they went in to say like, How come God doesn't offer another alternative other than hell? Kind of like a a rehab of some kind. Well, let me start off by saying that nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, and if you can find this, please, like I said, my email will be at the end of this podcast, so you can email me, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that hell is a place of torture. It does say torment, but it never says anything about being tortured. I mean, torment... Can be anything such as regret, sorrow, stress, anger, fear, anxiety, and so forth. These are the things that we can even experience here on earth. What hell is is just separation from God for all of eternity and torment. And heaven is in God's presence for all of eternity. There's two ways to look at heaven and hell. One way is by saying God sends us to hell, or God sends us to heaven. And that's honestly, that's generally, uh, generally the atheistic point of view. The other way is if you're a Christian, then God brings you into his presence for all eternity. If you are not a Christian, then God loves you so much that he will not force you into his presence for all of eternity. It's honestly really quite simple. Either you want to be near God or you don't. If you want to be near God, you will seek him on earth. And if you don't want to be near God, then you reject him. But atheists claim that God doesn't exist, heaven doesn't exist, and neither does hell. But what about when an atheist dies and finally realizes that hell does exist? What happens then? Can someone in hell then repent and choose to follow God and make it to heaven then? Can they do it after they die? The short answer to this, and according to the Bible, is no. Once it's over, it's over. But what makes you think or anybody think that the people who are in hell, that they want out of hell. And here's what I mean. The Bible doesn't go into a lot of details about being in hell, but in Luke chapter 16, verse 24, it does say, The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. So we can see that the rich man was in torment, But notice he doesn't ask to get out of hell. He's actually just barking orders as when he was alive to try to get Lazarus to bring him a dip of water. And then later on in a few verses, in in verse 27 and in 28, he says, For I have five brothers. Let him, and he's speaking of Lazarus, warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Once again, nowhere does the rich man ask to leave hell, but also notice he doesn't say he's being tortured, but he refers to hell as a place of torment. People who are in hell are people who refused God, hated God, and or decided they didn't want to be with God for whatever reason. And God, being as loving as he is, he separates himself from them for all of eternity, giving them what they want. They won't want to be with him, so he doesn't force them to be with him for all of eternity. And all hell is is separation from God. I mean, it's really always ironic how when atheists speak about hell, they always mention it as a horrible, bad, evil place full of torturing and suffering. So why is that ironic, you may ask? Because to speak of something being objectively good or objectively bad, they literally have to steal from God. See, Dr. Frank Turk has a great book out there called Stealing from God that speaks about these kinds of things. Why, why does not atheist have to steal from God to say something is objectively right or wrong? Well, because objective morality has to come from God. It has to come from a standard above our own. If there isn't a standard above our own opinion, then it's not an objective morality. It is just a matter of your opinion against someone else's opinion. Now, don't mistake, I am not saying that atheists or agnostics or other religions don't know good and evil or right from wrong. We all know good and evil and right from wrong. It's written in our hearts. Hebrews 8.10 and Jeremiah 31.33 tells us that. Atheists, they can't justify where morality comes from without saying that it comes from the one that they don't believe in, which is God. Now, why is that? Because without objective morality from the objective moral law giver, then everything that we consider good and evil, right and wrong, is just a matter of our own personal opinions. We literally have to have that standard I was talking about above us. We have to look toward an all-perfect, all-good being, and that is God's nature to even say that murder and rape and, and so forth is objectively bad. If God truly doesn't exist, but he does, then murder and rape being acts of evil would literally only be your opinion against someone else's opinion. And we all know what they say about opinions. Everyone has one. It is literally completely subjective. Objective morality exists because 95% of people living would agree that rape, murder, torturing babies for fun is, is a bad thing. It's evil. The other 5% of the population just choose to ignore morality for the sake of their own personal gain or interest. See, morality isn't something that evolves. It's not evolved. It's not evolution. So rape will never become good. Murder will never be good. If there are no universal moral standards, then moral relativism only follows. Now, what's moral relativism? Okay, so in a nutshell, in the most basic sense, let us imagine, for an example in America, murder and rape is bad, but in England, murder could be considered good, but rape is bad. But then in Germany, murder and rape are both considered good things. Makes sense? So to each country, these certain things that we all know as objective morality are bad things, Would moral uh, moral relativism would be like... You know, in this country, oh, well, rape is a good thing, so it's not a criminal act, and they all see it as a good thing. That's moral relativism. But since we all know what is good, what is wrong, what is right, what is bad, what is evil, we all know these things. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. You know these things because it is written in your heart from the moral law giver, that being God. But it just basically says that different cultures, different countries, etc., could determine what's considered good and evil, right or wrong, and that there is no universal standard, but we all know there is. We all know it. We all know it in our hearts. You can deny it. You can make excuses to try to get around it because you don't want to admit the answer that's right in front of you, but we all know it's there. I mean, I just truly don't understand atheists of this generation. I really don't. If atheists truly don't believe in anything, that anything existing then why make arguments to prove that nothing exists? I mean, seriously, do you see what I'm saying? Some people believe in unicorns, other leprechauns. I mean, I don't, but some people do. And I'm not, saying to, I'm not going to sit here and devote any time or energy in refuting these people's beliefs on leprechauns or unicorns. Why? Because I simply don't believe they exist. It's as simple to me. Why would I argue with someone who would believe in something I don't? That's why I've said many times that most atheists aren't actually true atheists. Most just take God for one reason or another. It's almost as if they claim to not believe in heaven or hell, then it truly just doesn't exist to them. Therefore, they have no worries about heaven or hell when they die. For me, not claiming that God exists would be the same as me saying, I don't believe gravity exists. And here's what I mean. Scientists tell us that gravity exists yet we've never actually seen it. We can't touch it. We can't hold it. All we can do is see the effects of gravity, and the same as with God. While on earth, we can't see him, touch him, or hold him, but we can see the effects of God's existence. We can see the universe. We can see the earth. We can see life, and so forth. So saying there's no evidence of God's existence is speaking from pure ignorance. Saying there's not enough evidence to persuade you of God's existence would be more truthful. And and to that is why I say being unreasonable, that is what being unreasonable is all about. You can't believe how many times I've had people tell me that by my comments, I pushed them away from God. So where they spend their eternal life is on my head? I mean, really though? That, that's what y'all are going to try to do is put that on me? If that is your mentality, there's a couple of issues with that. For one, your eternal life, your eternal location is your responsibility and yours alone. Blaming someone else is childish and leaving your eternal salvation up to one sinful human. Well, that's just foolish. That's completely foolish. Eternal salvation comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. Also, if by someone saying that, that, uh, the right thing or the wrong thing causes you to ignore evidence of God's existence and Jesus' resurrection. Then you were never saved to begin with. What one person says or doesn't say doesn't change the facts or the evidence. Believing in Jesus as your Lord and Savior takes more than faith. And here's what I mean. Say, so if you notice in Matthew eleven four, when John's disciples came to Jesus to ask if he was the Messiah, Jesus didn't say, "Go tell John to have faith." He didn't say, Oh, just go tell John. Tell John to have faith. I mean, he he just he didn't say that. What he said was as oh, uh, well, John, you saw the Holy Spirit descend upon me, and God said, This is my son whom I'm well pleased after you baptize me. Is that what Jesus said? Nope. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus tells John's disciples, Go to t- go to tell John. What you hear and see, the blind are given sight, the deaf hear, the dead rise. Jesus shows them evidence. Evidence never lies. Following Jesus is about faith, but it's backed by evidence. And many people come to follow Jesus through the evidence, and then the faith comes. If the evidence points to Jesus of Nazareth being who he says he is, then it doesn't matter how any of us feel. The evidence for it has to be true. And if Jesus is true, and if the evidence points to Jesus being true and pointing to what Jesus said as true, then the Old Testament has to be true because Jesus quoted the Old Testament, and Jesus is the Word of God who actually was there for the whole Old Testament. And I don't want to hear how atheists all the time say, oh, that's true for you, but it's not true for me, or that's true for them, and that's not true for these other people. That's ridiculous, and you're breaking every single law of logic. What is true is true. If it's true, then it's true at everywhere in the world, every time in the world, and for everyone in the world, it doesn't matter what it is. Now, if you want to say, well, that's how I feel, well, that's your feelings. Your feelings aren't the truth. Feelings come and go. Feelings change. But the truth is the truth. That's all there is to it. So don't sit there and say, oh, it's true for me, but not for you. It's true for you, not for me. No, if it's true, guess what? It's true for you too. And it's true for me. That's just the way it goes. It's the laws of logic. Atheists should know this because atheists believe in the laws of logic. Christians are hypocrites. Yeah, we're hypocrites. Are you kidding me right now? There's no way I can be perfect. I know I need Jesus. I'm a complete hypocrite. I mean, that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard when someone says why they're not a Christian. is because they know a lot of Christians or they knew Christians or their family were Christians or their parents were Christians or their cousins. And they were just hypocrites. They would act like this on Sunday. But on this day, they would act like this. Well, guess what? I can't speak for all other Christians. I can tell you how Christians are supposed to act. They're supposed to act perfect. That's what God says. That's what Jesus says. We are supposed to be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. Now, there are some people that claim to be Christians who really aren't Christians. But you can't sit there and blame all Christians and stereotype them into one category because of a select few. I mean, I guess you could, but it's not very logical. It's not very reasonable. In today's cancel culture, it's really not a good thing to do. So, I mean, how is that even a logical excuse? Seriously, it does not make any sense. Guys, that's all I have for us today. Join us next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, we're going to have a special guest. He is a Mesoretic Judaism. We're going to find out what that is, what they believe, and what separates them from Orthodox Judaism and Christianity.